0: Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is going to be a fascinating look into the world of the Mer Network. Now, the MyrrhNetwork.com is a forum for people who like mermaids. Not that they want to be mermaids, but they dress as mermaids. Uh, They make tails for themselves. They like to take photos of themselves. They like to imagine that they are mermaids. And this is a community built around the creation of mermaid outfits and tails and tips and tricks of how to get around as a mermaid. So that's what that is all about. But before we get to that, podcast biz. First off, I'm officially out of magnets. Holy moly. I only have one remaining request for magnets and I don't have any to give. So I'm going to reorder them. I'll let you know by the time the next podcast comes on. I'm sure I'll have magnets. So for right now, June 2016, I'm out of magnets as of today. But like I said, I will reorder them and I will be uh, hopefully if I can get off my ass, make some sort of a sticker or something it's embarrassing that i don't have a sticker but it's got to be perfect i'm not a perfectionist but uh i do want a sticker that looks cool and you want to put it on your shit, and i'd like to thank everyone who's been who joined the patron page and also of course existing donators especially the new joiners john and son and david c and daniel Meyer. so uh thank you so much i may have thanked some of you already but just want to make sure i thank people because <laughs> i really appreciate it it's very generous and if you want to donate to the podcast you can go to the patron page or you can just go to lureads.com and go to the paypal donation thing or shop through the amazon link or all those other things but like i said thank you i appreciate that people like the podcast enough to donate anything to it and it's always when i tell my wife about it she's always like i can't believe it And neither can I, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Anyway, so that's it for podcast news. So let's get right into this episode of Lou Reads the Internet for You, Mer Network. Uh, We're gonna jump right in, in the Mer Network Forum, Subforum, General, Subforum, General Costume Tales discussions in a thread started by Winged Mermaid entitled, How to Save for a Mermaid Tail. And it goes like this. You know you want a mermaid tail. Maybe it's your first tail. Maybe not. You may want a fabric tail and only have to save a little. Or maybe you want a full silicone and you have to save a lot. Whatever you're looking to save for, here are some tips to reach your savings goal so you can get your new fins. Save a percentage of your income. Set aside a set amount or set percentage of your income to set aside for your tail fund. This can be from your paycheck, your allowance, or any other source of income. Just be sure to set an amount that you can dedicate yourself to without risking financial issues. Ask for cash for gift occasions. For gift occasions, brackets such as birthdays or holidays, let your family and friends know that if they plan on giving you a gift that you would much prefer money for your tail fund instead of presents. Take on extra work. In whatever ways possible, consider taking on extra work for tail fund money. If you're of age to be able to get a job, get one so you can earn the money for your tail. High schoolers take on jobs for extra money all the time. If you have a job and are realistically able, think about another part-time job. If you're not of age to be able to work or you just don't have time for another job, do odd jobs. People are busy and often will pay for chores or tasks to be completed for them. For younger Merlings, consider doing extra work around the house or for others such as neighbors, roommates, etc. for a little spare change. Babysitting, watching pets or walking dogs, house sitting, cleaning, washing cars, mowing lawns. The list goes on and on. For adults, you can reach out to people you know locally or you can seek them through peer-to-peer commerce, Craigslist and... Kijiji can be an option, but remember that it can be sketchy and even dangerous to do tasks for strangers unaccompanied. Sites like TaskRabbit, on the other hand, verify people with background checks. There are plenty of sites for people to search for assistance. Check out this list here. There's a website. Just be sure to always make you safety a priority when taking on freelance jobs. Ask about trades. There are services or goods that you want or need, and sometimes you can trade for them. It never hurts to ask if anyone would be open to trade. There are lots of people. With goods or skills that are willing to trade, even some in the professional setting. Brackets. My dad is a dentist and was open to trade for his work for the longest time. Some of the people I ran across open to trades had goods or skills such as homegrown fruits or veggies, eggs from their home-raised chickens, massage or chiropractic services, handyman services, cleaning services, babysitting services, and more. I have saved money by doing household cleaning for others in exchange different things sell the things you don't need. Oftentimes, we will keep things around that we don't need anymore just because we don't think to sell them or because they're slightly sentimental to us. It's a wonderful feeling to sell old things that you no longer use, brackets, and decluttering in the process to get something you really want. There are lots of things you can sell, including old electronics, used video games, books, gently worn clothes, prom or formal dresses, jewelry, collectibles that you're no longer interested in, etc. Lots of ways to sell your old things. eBay, Craigslist, yard sales, pawn shops, consignment shops, etc. Buy secondhand. You can find all kinds of things at secondhand stores. Consignment shops, Goodwill, thrift stores, and even pawn shops are great ways to buy things you need and save tons of money. You can get clothing of all kinds, footwear, dishes, glasses, and silverware kitchen appliances, other appliances, bedding, furniture, even electronics, all for much less than when you would pay full retail. In some secondhand stores, items will be brand new, as they were overstocked that was sold at a great discount to the store or donated. Change your way of thinking. Be aware of all your purchases and ask yourself every time you buy something if you really need it, and if you do, if you could get it somewhere else cheaper. Do you really need that Starbucks coffee, or could you save $5 for your tail? Do you really want those new pair of earrings or that T-shirt or would you rather have the money for your tail? Do you really need to buy those new jeans at a chain store or could you save money by buying some second hand? Do you need the new pair of shoes today or could you wait a few months until the next sale? Always stop and think before purchasing and you can save bits of money here and there that will quickly add up. Make Items to Sell Make Items to Sell to raise funds. You can sell locally or online. Just know that selling things, online especially, can require a lot of work. Some high schoolers can have success selling things to their classmates. Things like printed brackets, silkscreen t-shirts, candy cuffs, survival bracelets, brackets, trendy right now, jewelry made from polymer clay, bead jewelry etc. Crowdsourcing. Typically, this is the first thing that can come to people's minds when it comes to getting money for a tail. This is because there are so many mer who have tried this route. Crowdsourcing platforms including Kickstarter, GoFundMe, Indiegogo, etc. However, you need to know that making a crowdsource campaign successful is not easy. Most mermaids are saving for their own tails or for things for their business once they get their tail. Therefore, to be successful, you need to go you need to look for sponsors outside of the mermaid community. The only times I've seen people succeed with mermaid-related crowdsourcing campaigns is when they did this. So just remember, do not rely on the mermaid community to raise money for your tail. You need to look for outside support if you want to raise that amount of funds. Just remember that if you do make a campaign, to do so on a site that will let you keep the money you raise, even if you do not reach your goal. GoFundMe and Indiegogo are popular choices. Sell your plasma or hair. If you are of proper age and proper health, you can sell your plasma to clinics for 20 to $45 twice a week. The price and whether or not you are eligible depends on the clinic and what their policies are. For more information, check out this article here. It's a website called madhubber.hubpages.com slash hub slash plasma slash donation. You can also sell your hair, quote-unquote virgin, or unprocessed hair can sell for a lot of money. Find more information here there's a wikihow.com sell your hair be patient and don't cave on spending for other things saving money for a luxury item like a tail can take a long time i saved for over four years to get my Merbella studios tail i made a lot of sacrifices and the more money i saved the more i was tempted to buy other things i had wanted for a long time brackets hello stunning corset starring me in the window display. Oh, how you haunt me. This is a natural, but just keep your eye on the prize. If it helps, make a tail fund box slash jar that you keep out of sight except to put money in and count it periodically, brackets, don't keep the money in your wallet where you're tempted to spend it. Or if you're able, make a savings account to set aside money in so it doesn't get spent, brackets, accidentally or intentionally until you're ready. In the end, it will be worth it. Good luck saving and happy swimming, everyone. And Blue Mermaid adds, I'm sending this to everyone who asks me for a tail. Also, if you don't mind paying interest and you have a large enough credit line, you can use a credit card or use all the above tips in addition to the credit card. And Eula adds, I started a savings account for a silicone tail. I'm already at $580 right now. And Merarial writes, I started at Christmas and I'm at $191.40. I put Christmas and birthday money straight into the tail fund, brackets, sadly not everyone was on board with the money only for presents, but presents are presents. And as much as I can for my job goes in too. I'm also having a garage, brackets, okay, apartment, living room, sale, and offering sewing services. It's slow going, but I know it's going to be so worth it. And Mary Marine adds, I had no idea you could get paid for donating plasma. Guess I better get over my aversion to needles real dang quick. And Princess Pearl adds, you might also try consumer testing. These are the tests they use when they say, quote unquote, eight out of 10 moms prefer crunchy cheddar bites or whatever. You do a survey that gets all your demographic info, age, income, number of people in your household, that sort of thing, which they keep on file. Then when a test comes up that they want your demographic range for, they call or email you to do a more specific survey to see if you might even consider eating the product in your normal day-to-day life. If you pass that test, you go in to do a few taste tests, answer some questions, and they give you cash. The company I do this through is called ACC. C.E. International, so I'm assuming they have it in countries other than Canada. And Sassenach writes, another good technique is to make a chart to fill in as you save up money. Mine goes by hundreds, but it all depends on the cost of your tail. It's proven that humans are more dedicated to something if they have visual improvement and a chart documenting your saving is way easier to be proud of than some numbers in a bank account. Smiley emoticon. And Mermaid underscore Kenzie replies, that's a good idea. I'm going to make a chart right now smiley face emoticon. And Mermazy writes, I've done something similar to that. I created a budget for myself which includes gas, savings, car payments, tail savings, etc. So that way I have a portion of my income going to my tail each paycheck. And the water phoenix ends the thread by adding, nice tutorial, smiley face emoticon. I am saving up for a beautiful Merbella's tail. And we'll go from that thread to a new thread in the Mer Network General Forum, General Costume Tales Discussion Subforum in a thread started by Sapphire Mermaid. Entitled, Making My First Tail. What material is best for the cover? And it goes like this. Hello everyone. First of all, I am new here, brackets, about an hour old. And oh my gosh, you merfolk are amazing. I never knew there were so many people that were so in love with being a mermaid like me. I feel like I have just found home, blushing emoticon. Secondly, I have read through some threads and figured out that the fin fun monofin would be the best for me to start with. I have just ordered one, brackets, yay, and I would like to make my own tail cover, brackets, not even sure if that's the right word, but I am not sure what material to use and what would be best in what. Lycra is obviously great because of its stretch and water usability, but do you have any other suggestions? Much loves. And Mermaid Celine writes, Neoprene would last much longer than spandex, but if you want a cheaper fabric that may already come in a scale pattern, I would go with spandex. And Mermaiden Lisa writes, Joanne Fabrics has a pretty scale pattern fabric in their new cosplay line. And Pearly May writes, you'll need a four way stretch spandex if you're making one for yourself. Brackets, search fabric tails on the network. I saw that fabric today. It's very pretty. However, the holographic finish dulls incredibly quickly and it's two way stretch. And that has its own set of problems and issues. Dig around, take your time, lots of info here if you do the research. Welcome to Mer Network. P.S. There's quite the kettle of mermen here, too. And Mermaid Jaffa adds, beware of the lycra or spandex that you find in other departments other than the swimwear section. Some of it don't last more than two swims and will start to break down no matter how or what you soak wash the tail in. This is speaking from experience when I found some nice striped fabric for fins and it started to break down after one swim. I soak all my swimming equipment in wetsuit wash before thoroughly rinsing them. That was a bust and I had to trim all my nice fins off. And Sapphire Mermaid replies, Thank you for the help. I decided on swim spandex in a solid color that I will dye or paint to be the shades I want. So excited to start making this tail! I just want my fin already. Smiley face emoticon, heart emoticon. And Athena writes, I'm an experienced dyer and spandex is already dyed, even the white, so it doesn't take color all that well. Paint is a better option. Joanne has a new fabric, which I elected to try for my first tail, brackets, avatar, brackets. Even though I couldn't find any info on it, it holds up in the pool. It's a latex-coated four-way stretch fabric. It's so much easier to sew than spandex. I've only swam in it a handful of times, but it looks and feels great. Except where it kind of scuffed and knee. It's holding up better than the printed spandex, brackets, prints stretch and the paint pulls apart too wrinkly. That little scuff mark is fine, no peeling thus far. The pool at my apartment is only 3-4.5 to feet the whole thing through, so scuffs are bound to happen. It was really hard to scuff it at all though. Also, if you go with spandex, try Spandex World which is online. They have samples for a dollar or so they will send you so you can abuse the fabric before buying a tail. The swim spandex they have is very high quality. And 712 asks, are you talking about the Yaya cosplay fabrics? I bought some of it to try doing a tail as well. It's one of the almost powder-coated vinyl-looking ones. What did you use for paint? I tried Lumiere and Neopaque, but they peeled up. And Mermaid Wesley warns, the Yaya fabrics cannot get wet. The dye leeches and has caused severe reactions and burns in some people. The dye leeches and has caused severe reactions and burns in some people. Be careful. And seven twelve replies. Yeah, I'm not convinced. That was all followed up by a lot of skepticism and pointing out holes in the original claim. All types of fabrics, not just the yaya ones, can cause skin reactions in a small subset of people. I've been doing painting and heat experiments with it and carrying it around for a while, and there's definitely no dry reaction. Brackets. Some people have said they were itchy just touching it in the store. Unless somebody provides some concrete evidence of widespread problems, brackets, which hasn't happened on any cosplay forum I read, I'm not too worried about adding. Water, except what will happen to the paint. And Mermaid Momo writes Even if the claims aren't true, brackets, personally, I can't handle Yaya fabric for a long period of time as my hands and skin start to get irritated probably from the dye used, Yaya fabric is still trash. From a seamstress perspective, her fabrics tear easily. Loose any raised imprints, and the texture in the fabric is gone before you even leave the store, and Joann's already offers much of the exact same fabrics already for cheaper. And we'll leave that thread and go to a new thread in the Mer Network Forum subforum Swimming in Tails subforum Tail Swimming in a thread started by The Chimera entitled What was your first swim like in a tail? And it goes like this. Hey, fellow MERS, I was wondering what your experiences were like. For the very first swim in a tail, was it exciting? Terrifying? Any challenges, faces? Feel free to share. BTW, mine was a little terrifying, lol. Mostly because that's when I, quote unquote, came out of the closet as a MERS, so to speak. So believe it was more of a social pressure thing. Can't wait for my next dip. And Mermaid Arian writes, Hi Princess, Smiley Face Emoticon. My first swim was in a public indoor pool. I was wearing my tail, which is a blue magic tail, and in the past, I never swam with a monofin, so the whole thing was exciting, terrifying, and a challenge, all three in one. The lifeguards granted me permission to use it since it was not crowded in the morning. I was happy to feel the water on my tail, and people, brackets adults, next to me were smiling. They never saw a merman in a pool, and they encouraged me to show them. I was pressured, but I finally did it. I watched enough YouTube videos to memorize and reproduce the dolphin kick underwater. I was worried to do it badly at first, but it actually came naturally. I had fun and it was great. Still, I shallowed some water at the first trial, but that was to be expected. Back then I couldn't hold my breath for 20 seconds, and now that I swim twice a week, I'm getting better. My record is 45 seconds for now. I hope to reach 1 minute by Christmas Eve. I'm planning to do pictures and a swimming video soon. I just have to find someone to come with me and take take care of the camera, tongue sticking out emoticon. And Mermaid Cecilia adds, my first swim was with a fabric tail that I had made. I was at my neighbor's pool and they were out of town, and I videotaped it, tongue sticking out emoticon. My tail was kind of crappy, no monofin, lots of drag, so my breath hold was so, 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 so low. It was kind of freaky having to breathe so often, cause usually I barely have to breathe. Also, the tail was pretty heavy. It was fun nonetheless grinning emoticon and the chimera adds that just about sums up my first go lol also in self-made tail took pictures too will upload as soon as possible but the experience is life-changing no since then whenever i swim without a tail it just isn't the same like you feel less like yourself without the tail and mermaid arian replies i totally hear you i feel the same as well grinning emoticon And Anaya writes, I wrote about my first swim in my tail in my book at length, but to sum it up, not great. I had a fabric tail with two swim fins and I could barely do it. It was frustrating and a little embarrassing, but I didn't let it stop me. Grinning emoticon. And Mermaid Ocean writes, My first swim in a tail was in my pool in my backyard. It was a great workout. When I finished, every muscle in my body was sore the following few days. I am very weak, and my leg muscles and all other muscles in my body are non-existent. So for me, this was very difficult. Yet, it was a lot of fun. Somehow I managed to swim in it all summer in the privacy of my own backyard. I have never appeared in public in a tail. P.S. I forgot to add that for me, mermaiding is totally a spiritual experience. By mermaiding, I connect with and pay reverence to water spirits. And Mermaid Lorelei writes, My tail ripped right at the beginning of my first swim. I had to hold the waist up the whole way down the lane. I fixed it, and the following swims were much better. And Fun123Joker adds, When I was waiting for my monofin to come, I would practice by swimming with my feet together. Then I started swimming with just my monofin and wiring it around the house to break it in. Brackets, the first few times to wear it, I got blisters on my feet. I didn't know how to sew at the time, so my mom's friend made the tail for me. But she had no idea what to do, so she only made it that it would cover my legs and not my monofin, so I would swim with my monofin exposed. My first swim was in my aunt's pool. The only word I could use was, finally. It took time to figure out how to go back up more naturally to breath. Man, that was so cool. And The Virginia Mermaid adds, I swam in my college's gym pool the first time I swam in a tail. It was so much harder than I thought. The monofin was so heavy. I couldn't and still can't lift my fin out of the water. But it was awesome. And the lifeguard's expressions were priceless. Everyone loved it. And Echidna writes, My first swim was terrible. I had never done the dolphin kick before. Had spent the last decade in my house with only occasional trips to the hospital. Thus, all my muscles were gone. And I'm super buoyant. So, I just spent two hours flopping around at the surface. For the next swim, however, I used a weight belt. And voila, another mermaid. Grinning emoticon. And Tan writes, Mine was pretty good. I had a few quote-unquote blooper moments. You know, coming up with hair in the face, spewing water and snot out the nose, feeling like a fool in general. And I spent a lot more time swimming with my head out of the water than I had anticipated. Brackets, which didn't feel very mermaidly. Usually only going under once a lap for maybe 10 or 15 seconds. The reason? Because I'm out of shape as hell and can't take both major physical workouts and breath holding without ending up panting. One of my biggest problems was trying to go too fast. The dolphin kick would exhaust and frustrate me because I was trying to shoot through the water so fast. This would also stress me out and make me feel like I needed air. Now I try and remind myself that mermaids aren't in a hurry. And if I want to go fast and stay under, I put myself in quote-unquote mermaid mode and pretend I'm chasing a fish. And Hales Loves Whales writes, Mine was actually amazing. I had been practicing with a more professional monofin for a couple of months before I got my tail. Brackets, with an Oceanica slash Mahina Murfin. So swimming in the tail was a lot easier than I expected. The scariest slash most awkward part was that I was at a dive quarry and I had to put my tail on on a dock and then roll off the side of the dock to get in the water. But I was amazed that I could keep pace with the fish swimming around. Pretty cool, smiling emoticon. And Drusilla writes, My first swim in a tail was odd at first. It was a fabric tail, and for some reason, I just couldn't stay down in the water. I just kept floating up, so my husband had to hold me down in the pool by my waist, lol. While he was holding me down, he watched my movements and taped them. They were... (laughs) <laughs> How does that work? Anyway, while he was holding me down, he watched my movements and taped them. They were great, brackets, surprisingly, but for some reason, I just couldn't stay down, lol. It felt great, though. It was around 10 p.m. in the apartment complex pool. The water was freezing, but the moon and stars were out. It was beautiful, and it just felt right. And Mermaid Melanie adds, my first swim was so much fun, but was for sure pressured as we were being filmed for a German TV show, brackets, Auf und davon." German listeners, please forgive my pronunciation. We got on the boat on the first day of the workshop and headed out to the dive site. On the way there, we practiced our undulating techniques and then we got our tails on and into a dinghy and then back rolled into the water. We had to perform as best we could with no previous mermaid training and it was very challenging to have our eyes open in the ocean and try to make your face nice and hold your breath long enough to get decent shots. If you guys wanna check out the journey, here's a link to a short summary of the course and I will share these videos on the blog. Hope you guys enjoy them. It's amazing seeing how far you have come. Keep filming yourself, and you can learn from looking at the footage. Smiley Face Emoticon XX. Oh, my God, that looks awful. (laughs) And Merman Roman adds... My first swim was with my mermaid cousins. They knew how much I loved mermaids and wanted to be a merman, so one day one of them got a mer tail and we all went swimming at their pool, but she gave me her old tail to have. I was so happy when I put it on and began to swim and of course it came naturally. I felt like I was really part fish. And Mermaid Lisa adds, First swim in my new Finnis Rapid was a fail. The water was too cold, the rocks were sharp, and there was tons of pollen and garbage in the water. Prowny Emoticon. Guess I'll have to wait for the water to warm up and go to the sandy part of the lake. And Coral coriads. my first swim was in a lake near my house. I had practiced the dolphin kick before, so when I got my tail, it felt so natural to me. I swam around for over an hour until I started getting foot cramps. I had sore feet for a day or so after, but it was totally worth it. And Mermaid Arabella writes, I'd practiced the dolphin kick for a month and then just with the monofin for a month, so I also felt very natural when I finally got to swim in my tail. The biggest thing I remember is being worried about sucking down water, B slash C, I was grinning like an idiot the whole time. Brackets. I didn't though, just pressed my tongue to my teeth slash roof of my mouth. And finally, Vice Mage finishes this thread, I skipped a bunch of pages of it, by saying, my first room was about a month and a half ago and it was definitely an interesting experience for me. I recently moved to an apartment complex with a nice lap pool, brackets not very deep, but long and rectangular, and ordered a fabric tail from swim tails just as a starting tail, and I could not get the monofin on my feet. It took me a lot of struggling just to get my feet to stay in place the first time, and then I had a hard time getting into the rest of the tail and into the pool. Once I was in the pool, it just felt strange, having something extra on my feet, so I floated around, getting used to the weight and extension before swimming around on my back until I got tired. I felt awkward and definitely not as graceful as the videos I've seen, but I had so much fun I couldn't wait to get into the pool again for more. And we'll go from that thread to a new thread in the Mer Network Forum, Subforum Community, Subforum General Community Discussions in a thread started by Little Orca, entitled (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't read the name of the poster. Anyway, in a thread started by Little Orca entitled The Pains of Being a Not-So-Little Mermaid. And it goes like this. The above picture was taken of me in 2009 at the Oregon coast. I was wearing my blue tail, the second fabric tail I had created, and the first in which I had added additional fins and a dorsal fin. By this time, I had become popular for my fabric tails and the way in which I painted the rays on the fluke and fins mermaids flocked to my youtube page to watch my tutorial on how to paint them and began to do so on their own tales as well mermaids though were not the only ones who came trolls bottom feeders call them what you will they came in droves quote unquote what a whale quote unquote little orca more like fat ass orca quote unquote someone called the japanese i found a whale here quote unquote you are too fat to be a mermaid lolol quote unquote someone get the harpoon "'I put on a brave face. "'Harassment of this nature was nothing new to me. "'Though it was hurtful, "'I knew of younger mers who looked to me for a guidance "'and to see me crumble would have affected them "'in negative ways. "'What could I do but keep swimming? "'Being a mermaid, there is this pressure to be perfect. "'Mermaids are beautiful, have shimmering tails, "'long hair, lovely breasts, and are slender. "'As in other aspects of life, Those who are not are ridiculed both to their face and behind their backs when others believe they cannot be heard or simply do not care that the victim can hear their loud whisper. I felt this pressure immensely and I had been working to reduce my tail size. I tried to surround myself with mermaids and mermen I knew enjoyed my company. I would be happy through osmosis if it killed me. I moved from forum to forum as they traveled, joined pods on Facebook, and went to events when I could afford it both in terms of money and time away from work. The more I was around them, however, the quieter my voice became. No sea witch had sliced at my tongue, but rather a strange sensation started to overcome me. Mermaids I had come to admire and love as dear friends began to progress, and I felt left behind. They swirled off to the fantastical world of performances, silicone tails, and real shell tops that fit them. I watched them go, I waved to them, so happily that they had their dreams coming true, but so broken-hearted that I was still waiting." Quote, unquote, Good things come to those who wait. I've heard over and over again. So I continue to wait. I continue to work. I continue to fall into despair. I did several things to attempt to motivate myself. I put mermaid figures around my room where I would see them the most. I wore mermaid jewelry. I made charts of how much money I would need to purchase my dream tale from Raven. I designed the look and colors I wanted. Neptune knows I had to keep my composure when I saw Iona's tail in person. I was torn between jealousy and crying and really forcing myself to keep smiling and be supportive. The When I started to make and wear mermaid tails, I weighed shy of 325 pounds. Through hard work and changes in my life, I have fallen to a number that likes to fluctuate between 205 and 215 pounds. It still is not enough of a loss. I continue to work, but I'm stuck at this terrible plateau. I have skin that hangs and portions of my body where fat still clings. I tried to brush that all off and tell myself I am still a fantastic mermaid, but it's nearly impossible. I went bare belly at an event and I was anything but comfortable. I was around so many beautiful mermaids with perfect bodies. I could feel my body moving as I swam, jiggling in the water, much as the (laughs) bubber... Jiggling in the water, much as the blubber of a beluga does. Brackets, I have seen the pictures of you from the event you were talking about, Little Orca. You are awesome. Well, some of those photos were edited, flatteringly so. Many of the ones I chose to put online, I didn't edit myself, but rather I chose poses that attempted to hide my body, just not very well. You can see the rolls where my stomach likes to crease into two parts and roll over the top of the tail. The thing is, this is how I look in my tail without posing, without stage presence, without distracting makeup and jewelry and hair clip. My back is disgusting. My arms are still large and flabby. And my stomach, well, we covered that. This is the only image of myself as a mermaid I can see in my mind. When I see other images, I see this one staring back at me. I started to develop an unhealthy obsession with my appearance. I would go through images of mermaids here and on Facebook, and much as teens do with magazines, I started to compare myself and assign self-worth based on appearance and how much I did or didn't look as they did. At first, it was just general facial appearance. Then it was about bodies, then tails, then talent, and even age. I turned 30 this year and was nowhere near my mermaid goal i had set when I was 23. Finally, I had had enough. I pulled away from the mermaid scene, Post-pirate event, I tried to ignore as much as I could online. I unhealthily buried myself into work and tried to make room for art and crochet. I still tried to offer support to other MERS on Facebook with their posts, but even hitting a simple quote-unquote like button became painful. I tried to tell myself that things would be all right. I had my money for my tail, and as long as I could keep my school loan repayment from eating that up, I would be fine. Until I saw the price had jumped up for the tail I wanted, and I would have to start attempting to save again. My crumbling stability tried to put a positive spin on things. Quote, unquote, this is perfect, I told myself. Quote, unquote, I can work out and get toned and save while doing it. See, you'll be fine. This optimism was like putting a band-aid over a shotgun wound. It did nothing to help. I sank further and further. I fought to stay in the light of the shallow seas, to stave off my depression, and not let it take the dreams I had been reaching for for so long. I have been working on this since 2007 when I got my first monofin before I had even designed my first fabric tail. That is seven years of work and I feel as though I am getting nowhere. I have started to reconsider my wedding plans to do something else other than getting married in a tail. I am slowly convincing myself I will never be married at all if I keep waiting for my tale. My story isn't over yet and I really do hope this is the lowest point before my ship comes sailing in. But for now, I am so far down in the trench that I cannot even see the daylight anymore. And Mermaid Jaffa replies, Don't leave, little orca. You're one of the reasons I decided to try mermaiding. Short story is, I watched your videos and I got to thinking if that lady can be a mermaid, then there's no harm in me being a slightly older, bespectacled mermaid, and my 40-year-old bulge at the waist, I cannot seem to shift no matter what I try. And no, it's not baby bulge, it's from years of couch potatoing and TV watching. It probably sounds like stalking too, but I watch all the videos. I've bookmarked at least once a day to learn how to move like a mermaid. Yours are a few of them. Each video you put out, you lost some weight which is a good thing to me. It means I, too, can have a slimmer look and with more bodily strength like you do. And Mermaid and Hydrina writes, Little Orca, I just have to say that you are such an inspiration to me. When I first saw your videos, I thought, quote, unquote, whoa, this girl isn't skinny, but she is beautiful and courageous and graceful, and she is rocking those fabric tails. You have such talent, and I know you'll feel better and get through this. You're awesome! Smiley Face Emoticon. And Bayou Mermaid writes, I know that you don't know me, but you were actually the very first quote unquote real life mermaid that I had ever heard about. I saw your posts on the long hair care forum and I was absolutely enchanted with your serenity and grace. Your purple tail is one of the most artfully crafted tails I've ever seen. You are a successful mermaid and your knowledge and experience is a great help to many aspiring merrs who want to make their own tails. I'm glad that you are sticking with your goals and I wish you much luck in whatever you want to do with your life. And Little Orca replies, I have wanted to sit down and write out a thank you for the support since yesterday, but I have been ill and was curled up in my oyster bed for over 15 hours of sleep. So that didn't quite happen. Let me see if I can thank you all now while I am at work before the moray eel. (laughs) brackets aka boss sees that I am not doing quote unquote real work I had been told by fellow murs that I had made a difference in other MERS lives other than my painting thing I put on YouTube brackets which is why I mentioned in the first post and it felt awkward to do so I really didn't think I had much of an influence around here or anywhere sure I thought there might be one or two that looked to me which is why I kept pushing forward and didn't crumble but not even half as many that have posted in this thread it is strange honestly to think I do I have always been interested. Extroverted and shy brackets go ahead and giggle at that statement. It's easier to appear extroverted online, but ask Iona. She will tell you how shy can be in person and to think that someone looks at me and thinks quote unquote, wow, is the more foreign of concepts. I knew there would be haters in this pursuit. Heck, I knew when I chose my identity quote unquote, little orca, I knew that people would compare it to my weight versus the real meaning I had chosen it brackets identified spirit guide and tattoo but I didn't let that stop me I told myself that people were going to harass me over anything I did it had been happening for so long so I sucked it up and went with what I wanted I know that portion of my plateau is due to my lack of motion I am on my feet a lot at work brackets I work in a locked crisis facility for persons with mental illness but walking can only get me so far. I work my arms when I can at home with weights, but again, it only gets me so far. I am hoping with the weather changing, I can get back on my bike and continue with my five to 10 mile rides I would do with my fiance last summer. I also have small plans for what I can do around the home. Given my odd schedule at work and resulting insomnia effects, I've already had my thyroid tested and there are no medications I can blame. I'm about 80% convinced to attempt to order my tail in October so that I'll be ready for the following summer. I am at the point now where I want to give the middle fin to the world and just do what i want i posted on my personal facebook about figuring out the cost of the tail and i talked to iona about redesigning it slightly my mother also stepped in and suggested a wedding location where her and my stepfather were married an inexpensive location in hawaii first things first though the tail and a big thank you to everyone for the support i have gotten here and in private messages it means a lot to me since i was asked here are some more pictures of my purple tail brackets and some more were added to my album and a few other costumes i have put on for the sake of laughter and mirth tails up showing off the the goods through the pirates at the pirate event 2014. Post pirate event, Charles and I chill in a hot tub in Seaside 2014. Myself as Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite, AkiCon 2013. Charles and I as Flynn Rider and Rapunzel at AkiCon 2013. Brackets wig was full length, 15 pounds, so I carried it on my shoulder at different times. Ha! Shaking hooves with a little girl who was thrilled to meet a unicorn at the Oregon County Fair 2011. And the Harlem Mermaid adds, the Harlem Mermaid, then the Harlem Mermaid adds, Hi, you have brought tears to my eyes. I thought I was the only one with the issue of being heavier and no looking like I thought a mermaid should look like. And I was so wrong. I feel beautiful as a full figure mermaid and you, my lovely mermaid, are beautiful. Don't ever let anyone make you feel otherwise. Beauty comes from within. Feel it. Embrace your inner beauty, and it will show you as well as others. But in reality, all that matters is how you feel and look to yourself, and you have a lot of supporters here from what I read. I, too, thank them for their caring advice to you and all of us pleasantly plump mermaids. Smiley Face Emoticon. Just keep swimming. You are my inspiration, dear. What you did took guts and courage. I salute you with my tail, dear. Smiling Emoticon. And little orca replies, and I salute you, my dear, and every other mermaid and merman who goes through the ups and downs and has the courage to keep swimming. And we'll move from that thread to a new thread in the Mer Network forums, in the Waters of Our World subforum, subforum Marine biology and oceanography, in a thread started by Mermaid Cassandra, entitled Aquariums. And it goes like this. The title says it all. I would like to talk with the community about aquariums, brackets, not dolphin or killer whales, I mean aquariums, aquariums, like the ones where you can also see other species of sea creatures, not only cetacean. What are your thoughts? Do you think they make mistakes like other structures? I would like to hear the community thoughts, not to start drama or anything similar, it's just to share opinions. So what do you think? Do you think they should close, detain only certain breeds or anything else? And Achidna writes, it entirely depends on the type of aquarium and the species they house. If the provided habitat is a good substitute for the natural one, it's okay in my book. That is easier with smaller species, of course. Larger species or any which need a lot of room, brackets more than provided, should not be held. This should not only apply to aquariums and zoos, but also to farms and private owners. And Mermaid Cecilia adds, I think that aquariums are important for people who don't live in areas near an ocean, but still want to experience it. I know that because I am interested in the ocean after visiting the aquarium in Tennessee and since Tien is a landlocked. State, I wouldn't have been able to have that experience without having to spend a lot more money on a beach trip. Since visiting that aquarium, I've gotten into mermaiding and will be going to college to get a degree that will help me get a job in the marine sciences. As long as the aquarium is a good habitat for the species, like Echidna said, an aquarium is a very valuable educational tool and research tool. A lot of aquariums employ research technicians to conduct their research in a more controlled environment which can lead to all sorts of positive discoveries that can help us understand how to take better care of the ocean and its inhabitants. And Syrian writes, I am in no way qualified to judge if aquariums are the ideal homes for the animals in them, but I sure do love visiting aquariums. Currently Shedd Aquarium in Chicago is my favorite. Yes, they do have some cetaceans and I know that is questionable, but I think they try hard to make the good they do outweigh the negatives and their other exhibits are beautiful. Does anyone know if touch tanks are humane? I find them very hard to resist, especially the all sturgeon one, so I'd hate to think they might be detrimental to the animals in them. And Achidna writes, I don't know if they are quote-unquote humane, but touching a fish can harm it physically because the slime coat fish have on their scales is part of the fish's skin. Touching, stroking, and handling can damage it, leaving the fish's scales exposed to germs and parasites. Many fish which are quote-unquote release-caught or otherwise handled will die after being thrown back. At least that's what we were taught in marine biology. I know many fish owners who swear petting their fish is wonderful and their fish enjoy it. And you see loads of biologists handle fish on a general basis, so I'm not sure who is right. And mermaid Jessica Pearl adds, Many aquariums in Australia add a lot of research and breeding programs which are so important to continuing the health and safety of so many species and habitats, as well as the obvious awareness and education factors. We have a turtle rehab center at ours, and the aquarium I performed at in Queensland too. So important! We have a touch tank at our aquarium, but they cleverly fill it with animals that are smart enough or fast enough to keep away from the sides and New York mermaid ads. Before I was a mermaid, I was a marine mammal educator slash assistant in animal care and training, brackets, and still working in marine animal rescue. So you pretty much know where I stand here. Our aquarium worked and continues to work alongside researchers and scientists, besides working on breeding programs for endangered species. We worked on self-awareness tests, echolocation and hearing and so much more. Our aquarium was able to successfully breed fish which are considered now extinct in the wild, brackets, I believe they were in the process of working on species reintroduction with the fish before. Before I became ill. They help start programs to protect coral reefs and sea life. They work alongside other aquariums when it comes to animal care and rescue. They work with many nonprofit organizations all around the world and share information among other things. Aquariums are important, and I can explain why. Aquariums give kids a chance to see so many things in one place at one time. But I guess not many people can say that they saw a dolphin, a polar bear, and a shark all in one place and in one day. And also teach newer generations about what's important about our oceans and what can be done to save animals and their habitats. I remember teaching a group of 20 kids about our dolphin, and by the end of it, a lot of them wanted to start a clean ocean type of program in their school. To a kid, there's nothing like seeing an animal up close and watching them become mesmerized by it and use the animal ambassador in front of them to teach them about not only the animal, but the situation of the ecosystem the animal's wild counterparts face. Not everyone has access to an ocean. Not everyone can dive or take a boat. Not everyone, especially at this time, has the money to take trips to see these animals in their habitat. I've always supported SeaWorld and continue to, despite what happened. SeaWorld was a place that started it all for me. I can tell you so much about that place from things that I've experienced. Trust me, if SeaWorlds wanted a mermaid, I'd be more than happy to provide my services. And, sure, I've researched both sides, been on whale watches, seen those documentaries, and it doesn't change my opinion of them. I applaud them for taking the initiative to provide a better living space for their animals, knowing it's time to upgrade as standards for animals' care has changed in the past decade. But again, that's my opinion and choice. I respect those who feel different about it. Brackets, sorry about the long post. And Mermaid Cassandra replies, Sorry? Thank you for your long post. This really makes a difference. You always find opinions on how bad things humans do that is almost impossible to hear another voice. Again, really thank you very much indeed for sharing your opinion and experience. Is there someone that thinks in a different way? I would really appreciate to hear a clear explanation of why not having aquariums and other structures like that. Thank you again, guys. And Sea Glass Siren ads. I finished reading everything here, and I'm reposting this, basically what I wanted to say. I really don't think housing huge marine animals is okay. I visited the Ripley's Aquarium twice here in Toronto with my parents. I'll tell you what it was like. The stingrays and mantas and sharks looked marvelous on the first day it opened. On my second most recent visit, it looks like some are experiencing fin rot and look extremely bored. Most just sleep or swim in circles. With that said, they do have a lot of huge tanks of coral, anemones, mollusks, starfish, jellyfish, and other small species of fish. The fish look hella bored. I guess smaller fish also want to roam a huge ocean. The ones in smaller tanks were not pleased. The tropical fish in the largest tanks looked quite content. There was also octopus and crustaceans. Octopus also looked bored AF and angry during both my visits. And Seaglass glass iron adds again. My husband made a huge mistake visiting the Vancouver Aquarium without telling me until when he discovered they housed belugas and made them do tricks. He left two minutes into the show because he heard my voice scolding him. I scolded him some more when he came back. And Seaglass Siren adds yet again. Most aquariums are for gawking, though, even though there are info sheets and infographics and interactive activities there for kids to do that don't involve touch tanks. Let's be honest here. Whoever pays attention to them. Ripley's have them, but they also have three touch tanks, one for Sanchar, one for horseshoe crabs and one for mantis brackets that one though they are in a huge tank and it's connected to a shallow area for them to swim up to so they can leave whenever they want and come up whenever they want no one ever goes read the infographics to learn something And Echidna writes, Yeah, I didn't mean info sheets and diagrams, brackets boring for kids, so much as TV shows where you can see and watch animals just as well. Brackets, if not better, as they are filmed in their natural habitat. Zoos and to a part circuses are part of the world before globalization, TV, and internet happened. People hardly ever traveled back then. So the only chance to see an exotic animal was a fair. There also weren't many books about them, so all was new and sensational in those old times. But nowadays, with entertainment, infotainment, and information flooding everyone non-stop from all directions, please. If someone, no matter if kid or adult, takes an interest in something, they can look it up in seconds, learn about them, watch it on YouTube, order books to learn even more about it. And if they find they are really into it, they can take a trip to the natural habitat and do a diving course, brackets, all just examples. The original concept of zoos and other show stuffs is outdated. And and I doubt the value of people gawking at animals through a glass pane, brackets, as opposed to on a TV screen is that much more valuable than the ethical and natural treatment of a creature. And Sabor Gakusi writes, I've always had an issue with petting pools too. You never know what kind of lotions, germs, whatever are on people's hands. And little kids could grab, scratch, or hit an animal without meaning to. There really doesn't seem to be any benefit to it as far as the animal's health, happiness, and well-being is concerned. It just seems to be a gimmick to draw bigger crowds." And make more money. That said, I probably enjoyed getting to pet mantas a bit too much when I was younger. They're my favorites. Blushing emoticon. And sea glass siren adds, I don't pet the mantas unless I've washed my hands and they come up to me when my hand is in the water. Mantas are as far as I'll go. And we'll leave that thread and go to a new thread in the Mer Network subforum community subforum general community discussions in a thread started by Sakutama entitled. Can professional mermaids have skin imperfections? And it goes like this. Hi everyone, I'm really embarrassed asking this, but can you be a professional mermaid if you have skin imperfections? I have a lot of stretch marks everywhere and loose skin from weight loss. I think that might work against me if I ever wanted to become a professional mermaid. What do you think? And mermaid jaffa adds, Kids won't notice your imperfections. They will be more distracted by your tail. I know they are at my pool. I'm fat on the bottom, small on top. My face is not perfect skin either. It has acne scars, chickenpox scars, dark patches, eye bags, etc. So don't be too worried by what you look like, as long as you are enjoying yourself and having fun. And Sakatuma replies, Thank you! I was so worried. I'm glad I finally mustered up the courage to ask. All the professional mermaids I've seen so far have gorgeous skin, and I gave way too much to cover. Even if there was waterproof skin makeup, I was making a mental list of excuses for my stretch marks and extra skin. If I was a professional mermaid entertaining kids, stretch marks, um, shark attack? And mermaid Celeste FL writes, I second Jaffa. I have some nasty acne scars from the acne. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, I have some nasty acne and scars from the acne, so I tend to wear some good waterproof cover-up and foundation whenever I have gigs or shoots. I also have a little chub around the top of my tail, and as long as it's disguised, kids don't even think about it. Belts and sashes work wonders. Trust me. Don't let little imperfections keep you from doing what you love. Heart emoticon. And Sakutama writes... Thank you so much too, Mermaid Celeste. I actually didn't even consider being a professional mermaid because of all my skin imperfections. Too much to hide and cover up. But I keep seeing these adorable videos of professional mermaids entertaining kids and their bright, happy smiles. And I can't help imagining bringing the same joy to children here in Japan. And Hampton's mermaid adds... My boyfriend has stretch marks on his back from a growth spurt as a child. Sometimes he tells Pupul they're lion scratches and a few believe him. There's an awesome mermaid I have seen somewhere here and it looks like she was born with a skin condition called veneliago brackets SP, where her skin has tan patches throughout her body. She made a beautiful sequin tail with patches that complemented her unique skin coloring. And mermaid Kate Silverfin finishes the thread by adding, like what Hampton's mermaid said, If you wanted to, you could make it part of your character. You could go for similarly shaped stripes on your tail. Then it will look like those stripes continue on your body, echoing everyone else. Don't let anything stop you from doing what you love to do. And finally, we'll end this episode with this innocuous post in the Mer Network, Subforum Waters of Our World, Subforum Marine Biology and Oceanography, in a thread started by Mermaid Carly entitled, What is your favorite fish? And it goes like this. My favorite is the black carp, because they always used to swim up to the docks and quote-unquote greet me when I used to go to the lake. They're so friendly. Tongue sticking out of emoticon. They usually came up to the docks three at a time, which makes me curious why. I think lake fish are my favorite. But anyway, just interested to see what y'all's favorite type of fish is and why. Do most of you prefer tropical fish over freshwater and real writes, Oh, some of my favorite fish to see are clown triggerfish because they look so silly and cute underwater. I also love seeing cowfish and boxfish because they look like they teeter-totter when they swim. Tropical fish seem more colorful to me, but then again, I don't have much experience with freshwater fish. Tongue sticking out of Motocon. and Elodia the Mermaid writes Mandarin fish because of their cute widow faces and Rainbow trout because I'm more of a mountain mer. Ha <laughs> ha! And Mermaid Ain writes. Oh, that is so hard for me to choose. I am definitely more drawn to saltwater fish. There are so many that I like. My hubby and I have a saltwater tank and every fish we had seems to really have quite the personality. We have a very sweet tang named Sunny and two clownfish named Flotsam and Jetsam. We have a couple of other fish right now also, but I can't think of what kind they are. Blennies seem to always be fun to watch. As far as wild-out-in-the-ocean sort of fish, I love sharks, octopi, jellyfish, rays, and seahorses. And Echidna writes, just for the record, octopus and jellies are not fish. I don't really have a preference, but large, fast fish like marlins and barracudas are Totally cool. So are rays. Whale and basking and frilled shark. Also, I feel a kinship with eels. Grinning emoticon. Freshwater pikes, and catfish, probably. And Mermaid Jaffa adds, blue-ringed octopus. Nobody wants to touch those or say hello. Oh, fish, 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 fish. Basking shark. I have always wondered at their prehistoric origins. If they are huge now, did they start out as tiny sharks or were they the size of six-story buildings? And Madison Murfairy writes, I love the Mola Mola. Brackets, ocean sunfish. I'd love to swim with one someday. I also really like goldfish. They're so darn cute. And mermaid Carly replies, these are all great fish. BTW, does anyone else think octopi and some jellyfish look the same in a way? I never really made the connection. I love the Mola Mola, but I don't see why it's called the quote-unquote sun fish. It doesn't look like the sun. Confused emoticon. It needs to be all yellow. Wah! LOL. And Syrian writes, I think my top favorite might be sturgeon, but it varies. I've always loved arowana and arapaima, or at least until Amazon Trail introduced me to them. Koi, no surprise there basically anything that grows to be big and fat brackets and huggable looking like some of the larger catfish and groupers let's see what else so many fishes i love long fishes rainbow trout pelican eels hagfish brackets not actually fish guppies and of course Coelacanths. I think that covers them all, but I'll probably remember something else later. I love fish so much. And Mermaid Joie writes I like lots of tropical fish, but I'm particularly fond of any deep sea, brackets, dark zone fish that bioluminesce. The firefly squid, shrimp, and glowing jellies are my favorite sea creatures, brackets, I know they're not fish. Most fish that bioluminesce in the dark zones have hideous teeth and faces like the viper fish. Still, their tails are quite pretty. Blue viper. Fish are the color and light inspiration for my first tail. And introverting adds, I like cuttlefish, they're so smart and cute. Grinning emoticon. I don't know if that counts, though. LOL. And Mermaid Joie writes, I forgot about the cuttlefish. I think they count. Their color-changing ability is amazing. And Mary Marine writes, I had a tiger Oscar as a kid we named Bitey. He was awesome, but eventually he got too big for his tank, and we gave him away to a guy with a huge aquarium setup. Plectostomas are also pretty cool. My elementary school library had a huge aquarium with the biggest one I've ever seen. He was probably twice as old as I am. Nautilus. Living freaking fossils. Too bad the demand for their shells is depleting the population. Frowning emoticon. Anal-toothed sea cucumber. It's a sea cucumber with teeth in its butt to prevent fish from taking up residence in their rectums. Evolution, man. Moray eel. There is one at the Dallas World Aquarium who likes to have the inside of its mouth scratched. The aquarium worker just stuck his arm in the tank and the eel swam over and started rubbing on his arm like a big goofy cat. And seaglass siren adds, My favorite fish? Hmm the ones that end up on my plate. Tongue sticking out of emoticon. I jest! Beta fish are my favorite. And Fun123Joker adds, how can you make me pick? I do like the cowfish. Brackets, icon, duh, but I've taken to liking a mola mola also. Actually, I was thinking on moving on from cowfish to ocean sunfish as an internet icon identity thing. I love koi and beta, so I flipped when I heard beta koi, brackets, or is it koi beta? Even though they are all HMPK beta, I wish I had one, brackets, I know pretty much all the proper beta care, I just can't afford it. Col- <laughs> college is a thing I'm looking at so I can't move the fish and I don't think I have my head around cycling. I can go on all day about fish, TBH. And Alia of Duluth writes, I can't believe I didn't see this thread earlier. I have an obsession with Japanese shibunkins, like it was unhealthy at one point. I went from having a 10 gallon tank that was supposed to be for a snake to having a fish in that tank, then the bottom of the tank popping out of place when I went to move it one day, so I got a 100 gallon lobster tank due to discovering Shabunkins need more than 10 gallons, brackets, especially if you have more than one. And then that started leaking, so now I've settled for a 55 gallon, which is the biggest I could get from my LFS. Just one little fish did this to me, sent me down the black hole of aquarium keeping. $600 later and I finally gotten to a place where I don't have to visit Petco every payday. Tongue sticking out emoticon. Okay, well, what did you think of this? Mostly harmless, I think, um, you know, I, completely harmless, yeah, completely, the completely harmless world of being a mermaid or wanting to be a mermaid and no delusional Uh, I am a real mermaid, talk in the threads, just people who like to dress up and enjoy the concept of mermaids. I hope you enjoyed it. I find things like this fascinating and is one of the reasons I do the podcast. Not a lot of super salacious stuff, but this community seems uh, very supportive of each other and lots of uh, people doing business with each other and all that good stuff. Liking each other's videos and not getting down on each other for their uh, body shapes or skin conditions. I think we can all learn something from the mermaids. Be nice to each other. Whether you wear a tail or don't. Okay. I think that's gonna do it for this episode. I do hope you enjoyed it. It's light fair in the world of Lou Reeds, but certainly an interesting subset of people. But in good news, I already know what I'm reading for the next one, so no more delay as I hem and haw over what to read next. I don't know if you guys know that's the process. Normally I finish the episode and then the week after I make the f- I post an episode, I sort of hawkishly look to see what people are writing about it or if there's any places i forgot to post it um and then i start to think about what i'm gonna read next and then i manage to procrastinate and talk myself out of things until i'm like oh my god i gotta record something if you're saying that sounds stupid you're right <laughs> because i'm just getting in my own way that such is life Uh, Anyway, we're going to wrap up this episode because it's already taken too long for me to get out. So as always, I want to thank everyone who writes reviews on the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Store and and Stitcher and anywhere else where you can review the show. It's really great that people feel strongly enough to write little blurbs or vote on the podcast. never hurts to have more, so if you haven't, please go to iTunes and write a review of the show. I think I have like four reviews on Stitcher where I have like 100 and something reviews on iTunes. You can see the disparity. please. Please, 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 write a review. We'll be eternally grateful for as long as is necessary. And without further ado, we'll wrap this up. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for You, Mer Network Edition. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.